So I want to say that most of us have a love-hate relationship with stuff. You know, we like stuff. We like getting new stuff. And then we get tired of it and we want to replace it with more new stuff and figure out where we're going to store the old stuff. Uh, This is not a new phenomenon with human beings. People have been doing this for decades, years, thousands of years. Uh, George Carlin talked about it 40 years ago, did a better job than me. Listen to him. It wouldn't be so funny if it weren't so true. And, uh, and it's, it's we're even more today. Uh, you know, today there's a, a book, and a, a best-selling book, and a Netflix series on how to get rid of stuff. It's called Tidying Up, right? A lot of people are watching that. Um, 200 years ago, Jesus was talking about it, uh, but he wasn't talking about houses. He was talking about barns. And uh, so we're going to take a look. Uh, we're wrapping up our series on close encounters with Jesus. This is a close encounter. The fellow who got involved with Jesus, he did not see what was coming. So we're going to read about it. I'm going to start a couple verses before the story of the man with the barns because it's helpful to know why is he talking about this. It's very interesting. Listen to uh, Luke chapter 12. It says this, By this time the crowd unwieldy and stepping on each other's toes, numbered into the thousands. Jesus said to them, I'm speaking to you as dear friends. Don't be bullied into silence or insincerity by the threats of religious bullies. True, they can kill you, but then what can they do? There's nothing they can do to your soul, uh, your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul, in his hands. Someone out in the crowd said, Teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. Jesus replied, Mister, what makes you think it's any of my business, or frankly that I have any interest, to be a judge or mediator for you? Speaking to the people, he went on, Take care, protect yourselves against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Then he told this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this, entire, for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods, and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and, now, uh, and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die, and your barn full of goods. Who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Wow, interesting. Let me uh, pray for us. Lord, we ask that you would speak into our hearts. We don't have barns, but we've got houses. We've got storage sheds. We're, we're right there with you in this story. We pray you'd speak to us and help us understand what you want us to know from your text. In Jesus' name, amen. So how, how like people today? Um, a man with so much stuff that he goes through all this trouble of major construction just to store his stuff, never a thought of giving any of it away. That, that's just not part of his culture. And we get caught up in having stuff, and we need it now, you know, Amazon, uh, they now do pretty much one-day delivery because, seriously, two days is too long. 
Uh, and, you know, a lot, some of it, a lot of it now is becoming same-day delivery. I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking there's an Amazon guy at the corner just waiting for us to hit. And he's like, there it is. And the drones are coming. We got all of that. Uh, but I want to say Jesus' point is not about the condition of our garages. He's not so interested in that or how much we have or how much we think we should give away. Jesus is concerned about the condition of our souls. He got there at the end. It's about our souls. And he uses this interruption from this man in the audience um, to examine his soul and ours. Uh, And so I'm going to have us ask four questions of the text and of ourselves. And the first one is this. Am I actually listening to anything Jesus says? And I know we'd be like, well, of course, we listen to Jesus, we read what he says. But I want you to think, am I actually listening to anything Jesus says? He, uh, someone out of the crowd said, Teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. Now, I started uh, back up to, to show you what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about uh, bullies, about oppression, about feeling forced to keep quiet in our faith because people will attack us. Uh, And in the midst of that, this fellow goes, "Uh, excuse me, and it, it said thousands of people, excuse me, could you tell him to share the inheritance? And I, I'm, I'm like, wow, Jesus is full of grace because he's like, seriously? <laughs> uh, you know, this is a heckler. And, and he, he deals with him. Um, uh, and uh, Jesus was very direct. Mister, what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or mediator for you? Now, he actually meant that. Because sometimes we hear, oh, well, he is judging me. No, no, no. He's seriously going, what the heck are you talking about? Are you, are you listening to me at all? Have you been paying attention to what I'm talking about? Because what you're talking about is not what I'm talking about. Uh, and I'm going to risk something here now. A um, little risk. Uh, I'm going to tell you things about church attenders that all pastors know and that none of you know. And that's that you can say some really silly things on the way out as you greet the pastor after the service. I know, I know, it makes it kind of cringy. But uh, so, for example, uh, <clears throat> one person walked out of a church after the sermon and said, Pastor, we need small groups for cat lovers. Okay, uh, What did that have to do with the sermon? Not sure. Somebody else said, you shouldn't be drinking water while you're preaching. Which is interesting. You kind of get this picture of a guy, you know, talking while, like ventriloquism or something. It's like, (laughs) this happened to me. This was was me. Woman walked out of church and said, a compliment. It was a nice compliment. Uh, She said, my horse loves your sermons. I know, I know. And no, we did not have horses in the service. I've never preached in Montana. Um, No, she uh, would take a cassette deck and headphones, put it on her horse, and it was my sermons in particular that he seemed to like. So uh, people are well-meaning, and... uh, 
you know, it's nervous. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's like it's a high, you know, I'm going to say something to this guy. What am I going to say? And then, oh, I blew it. But, um, but sometimes it's good advice, frankly. A cat lover uh, growth group, that's not a bad idea. Uh, you could have dog lover growth groups, and maybe they'd meet once a year uh, or not. I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, the, the question is, were, were these people listening to the message that day? Uh, so I had a very personal experience with this of, of being engaged as a member of the audience and um, having someone not paying any attention, it seemed to me, at all. Uh, I mentioned Dallas Willard, my mentor. I hadn't met him yet, uh, but I had read his books, and I was so excited to hear him teach. So I went, and oh, as he spoke, my heart was on fire. It was like, I've never heard this before. And I seriously had a question I needed to ask him afterwards. Uh, and he, he offered, he said, are there any questions a- at the end? And I shot my hand up, and my question was, is why, why is anything being taught or preached in churches until we understand this, what you're talking about? So I raised my hand, and he pointed at me, but the guy in front of me thought he was pointing at him, and so he just asked his question. Now, his question was, uh, last week, this is how he talked to, last week, you quoted Matthew 11, 17. But I believe the text is actually Mark eleven seventeen, And I wonder if in the spirit of clarity, you might agree that that was a mistake. Ah, it was all I could do not to strangle him. Ah, I had tears of frustration welling up in my eyes. Was he listening to anything this amazing man had said? Uh, he, this guy in front of me was like that guy in the crowd. He was so caught up in his own agenda. I mean, he was like, I can't wait till Dallas finishes talking because i got to talk to him about this mistake. And, and he was so caught up in his own thought and opinion and agenda that he didn't have room for what Dallas Willard was saying. And our thoughts and opinions and agendas take up so much room in our minds that we uh, sometimes have trouble listening to Jesus especially when he's telling us things we don't agree with, right? When, when we already have opinions and beliefs, and it seems like Jesus is challenging them, uh, we're, not so, we're not so listening so well. And that was certainly the case with the religious people of his day. He was constantly running into trouble with people who didn't agree with him. Our day as well. My horse really loves your sermons. It's, uh, ah, are you listening? <clears throat> well, Did you get anything out of it? She said three things. One, two. (laughs) Ah, Sorry, that was just me. That was just, that's just me. The man in the crowd that day had his own agenda. Uh, His only interest in listening to Jesus was to use him to affirm a position that the man already held. All right, let's say that again. His only interest in Jesus was to have him affirm a position he already held. Um, Are we actually listening to anything Jesus says? Or are we simply using him to justify what we already believe, what we already want? And uh, remember, it's not so much the condition of our garages Jesus is interested in as the condition of our souls. And uh, our souls are important. 
So while he talks about barns and stuff, his point is our emotional attachment to stuff. What does that say about us, about our souls? Um, He wants us to look at our hunger for self-indulgence. That's a definition of greed. Hunger for self-indulgence. Uh, and uh, so if we're paying attention to what Jesus is saying in this text, uh, it brings us to our second question. And that is this. Have I protected myself against greed? Here it comes. Have I protected myself against greed? And uh, Jesus says, take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Seriously, these folks had nothing back then, right? I mean, it, I mean, how good is one clay house compared to another clay house? It's, there's not that much. What about us? Oh, my gosh, we have so much opportunity for greed. Um, so do, do Christians need to protect ourselves against greed? I would say yes. And uh, in you version, I've included a couple links to two websites. One website is a website of preachers defending their uh, desire and request of their members to give them 50 to 60 million dollars for private jets so that they don't have to ride commercial when they go on ministry. And they have uh, amazing religious and scriptural arguments for why they need this. The second website is called Friendly Atheist, and uh, it exposes pastors who ask their members to give them money to buy private jets. And I think it's a toss-up as to which website causes more harm to the cause of Christ. Uh, It's a a tie. Uh, What seems to many people to be an indefensible hunger for self-indulgence... and uh, if, if, if they, these leaders of churches, can get caught up in more, well, I'd, I'd say in our little modest ways, we probably can as well. Um, life is not defined by what we have, even when we have a lot. Uh, and so now we get into what Jesus was actually saying. The man in the story had so much. He certainly had more than he needed, more than he could ever use. But he never thought about, well, what could I do with this other than keep it? See, that's the culture that he was in. That's what he understood. Uh, I earned it. It's mine. I need to protect it. I need to keep it. And never, never does he think, I need to give it away. It's just not part of his mindset. Um, And remember, Jesus is not so much interested in what we have. I'm not attacking rich people. I don't think he was attacking rich people. But he was saying, what do your wealth and riches and possessions, what does that say about your soul? That's what he's talking about. Um, And this man, who was in the audience listening, wasn't interested in what Jesus was talking about. In the middle of his sermon, he interrupts and uh, instructs Jesus. It says he told Jesus to arbitrate between that man and his brother. Um, He was interested in getting Jesus, whom he assumed would agree with him. Isn't that what we do? Oh, well, Jesus would agree with me. Uh, He was getting him to go to his brother and say, hey, make this work out. Um, And it had nothing to do with what Jesus was talking about. Um, but something in the sermon triggered him. 
maybe when Jesus said, you pay attention to God who can you know, handle eternal life. And he's like, oh yeah, life, death. What about my inheritance? He, right? Um, he was fixated, and so he blurted this out. And uh, I think what we realize from that, we're paying attention to the wrong things. We've learned a set of strategies and goals and plans for our life and things that really work for us. And um, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Says it all the time. What does that mean? It means those strategies and plans we have, throw them out. Because there's a whole new world to live in. It's the kingdom of God. It's where what God wants to have happen happens. It's where we can be a part of what God wants to be doing in this world. And all those rules we played by... None of it matters anymore. But the man with the barns and the man in the crowd could not think any other way. So we hear the phrase, less is more. Not to them. To them, more is more. More is more. I, I think that's a great thing. Uh, and an entire industry, I love George Carlin says, an entire industry has grown up of storing our stuff when we don't have room for any more stuff. But then, beyond that, Storage Wars comes out, television show about people who buy other people's stuff when those people have forgotten about it completely. Wow! Um, so when we pay attention to what Jesus is talking about, we realize that there's a need for us to protect ourselves from greed. Because the wanting of things, what does that say about us, about our souls? What, why are we so attached? Which uh, brings us to our third question. What can I give away today? What can I give away today? The, the man said, I'll gather in all my grain and goods, and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've made it. Uh, and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. That's partly uh, what we, why we want things. We want retirement, 401ks, a better house, a mortgage paid off, because someday we're going to be able to, oh, it's all going to be better, and we're going to relax and retire and take those cruises and all that sort. Sounds good to me. So this is not hypothetical. This is us. Human beings tend to think uh, that things are going to keep going along the way they have and they can plan for it. That is not true. That's not the way things happen. And I will give you an example that you would all go, oh, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Little question. Why do so many TVs fall off their TV stands and why do so many dishes fly out of kitchen cabinets when there's an earthquake. When, with a couple screws and a couple closures, we could protect all of it and none of it would fall out. Why? Why did my television fall off my stand when the earthquake hit see me and all of our dishes and china came flying out and our entire, you know, foot and a half deep? Why? Because I didn't think the earthquake was going to happen that day. That day, I just thought it would all be the same. That's what he's saying about this man. You think everything's going to go along just the way it is, uh, and nope, today you'll die. Today things change. And we live as if everything's going to just keep going the way they go. If we had thought the earthquake was going to hit, we would have gone to Home Depot, and it had sold out of closures for cabinets, just the way in Florida they sell out of plywood when they get the hurricane warnings. 
but, but we think everything is going to be just fine. Everything is going to go. That's what this guy did. Um, and so how do we live in a, a different way, with a different strategy, knowing that things change, knowing that things are going to be different? A friend of mine, Ken Blanchard, uh, lost his house in a fire, burned to the ground. And uh, they, they found a new home, and after about two years, were moved in. And an interesting thing began to happen. Uh, and, but to get there, I need to go backwards. His wife, Margie, uh, had a habit uh, for decades. Uh, she would give things away. She would, when, when she found a picture that they had taken of they and their family and somebody else, they would make a copy of it and send it to the other people. And when she upgraded furniture or... or you know, uh, decorations in her house. She would give the other stuff away and uh, trinkets and all kinds of things. And after about two years after the fire and they had moved in to their new place, something happened. Stuff began to come back. People began to bring them things that had had importance to them before uh, and that they had given away. Photos of their kids. The only stuff Ken and Margie Blanchard had of importance after the fire was stuff they had given away before the fire. Wow, is that an object lesson? And so, so beginning to have this new way of thinking, to give it away. Um, after all, greed isn't... Uh, isn't something that is out there and away from us. I, I love that definition of, uh, of a hunger for wanting more stuff because it happens for all of us, and we can't let it go. I think Jesus wants us to try letting it go just to see what it does to us, how it messes with our brain. Remember Frodo Baggins, Lord of the Rings? He's like, oh, yeah, I could give it up. No, he can't. Try to, try to take that ring away from him. He couldn't even throw it into the fire at the end of the movie. Uh, you know, he's like, ah, it's mine. And uh, we do that. Uh, anybody tried to give up smoking? Oh, I can give it up anytime I want. Uh-huh. And uh, drinking, right? Uh, cinnamon rolls. <laughs> I won't tell you whose that is. Um, but uh, it, it just may be that... Um, Addiction, uh, that, that's what we call those things. We don't call it greed, but there's a, there's a connection there. So I've recently given away things. Hardly counts, though. I've given away 10 boxes of books. Uh, they were all in my garage. Uh, when I became an interim pastor, I realized, well, I'm not going to be moving all of my books you know, from one church for a year and then pack them up and move them to another church. So they've been sitting in my garage for several years. And I came to realize, you know what? If I haven't used them in years... I'm never going to use them, so I started giving them away. Uh, it didn't really count that much because I didn't actually give them very far away. Half of them I put in uh, Pastor Jonathan's office. So uh, <laughs> I asked him if he wanted them. It's a set. Uh, and I said, here, here's a set. Oh, there goes five books, boxes, boom. Um, but, but I began to say, you know what? I can let go of this stuff. I, I don't need to hold on to it. Um, but my, closet is, my closets and my garage are still full of stuff. I mean, I have a three-car garage. How many cars do you think I can fit in my three-car garage? Zero. But it's not all my fault. 
we, we are storing the stuff of two mothers who passed away years ago. We still have their stuff. And two daughters who haven't settled down yet. And our stuff. So, I, I, you know, I'm preaching to myself. Um, you can listen in. I suggest, so I suggest we ask ourselves, uh, what can we give away today just to see how attached we are to things? Um, and next, Jesus moves from barns filled with stuff to mines filled with something else. Uh, what, 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 are, what, what captures our attention? What do we focus on? What do we pay attention to? So uh, the fourth question is this. How much of my barn is filled with self and how much with God? This is what Jesus cares about. What, what, is f- what, what fills our thoughts and our minds? He said um, this idea of everything coming and, and, and uh, you know, you die and you lose it all, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. So what, what does it mean to fill our minds, our barns, our houses with self? Uh, I have a good positive example. Um, when my mom uh, moved from a retirement home to uh, uh, an assisted living, we needed to clear out her one-bedroom apartment. And I was in charge of that. And my, my mom had all kinds of stuff. So it was interesting. In the, uh, 1984, she uh, volunteered for the 1984 Olympics in L.A. Loved it. Tell, told stories the rest of her life about it. That corner was filled with memorabilia from the 84 Olympics. She was a lifelong Girl Scout. Uh, she, she was interviewed by the Girl Scouts in her late 80s. Some of her stuff is in the archives, in the Girl Scout archive in New York City. She's, she's recognized. All her Girl Scout stuff was in a different corner. And she was an officer in the Canoga Park Women's Club. She had folders and notes and posters and activities and things. And that was all in another corner. But the thing that caught my eye was a dresser. A dresser with four drawers. And... Uh, I opened it up. It was filled with craft supplies. Worthless. I mean, really. I mean, it was, uh, uh, unless you're a crafter, um, and then you would have loved it. But she had, I mean, so, for example, a folder full of Christmas cards she had received from others that she would cut up and turn into thank you notes. She had paint for painting clay you know, figurines, and she had figurines everywhere. And she had uh, pens and pencils and feathers, and she had a complete leatherworking kit and a one-gallon bag of googly eyes. (laughs) Um, And that dresser defined my mom. It identified her as this creative, fun-loving person. The stuff for the Olympics and the Girl Scouts and the... the, um, the, 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 the Chicago, or Chicago, the uh, Canoga Park Women's Cup, they all went to people, but I ended up with the craft stuff. And um, I couldn't use any of it. Uh, hardly worth storing, but it was my mom. It was, it was her identity. Encapsulated in that dresser was her love for making things, for giving things away, for surprising grandkids when they came uh, to visit her. And uh, you could look in any corner of her house and you could see where she had invested her life. And a, a stranger who was there would have said, wow, your mother was really invested in others. 
That was her identity. She, it was giving it all away. We might not have wanted it, but she was giving it, and she was always focused on others. Um, it, her one-bedroom apartment was a physical barn where her life was stored. And it wasn't that it was valuable. It was that it was precious of how much it represented her soul, who she was. Uh, and Jesus was talking about that, hearts, minds, souls, And what's stored up here represents the condition of our souls. Um, We have work and hobbies and sports and families and dreams stuffed into the corners of our minds. We have terabytes of memories and sensations and plans and grudges and opinions uh, all rolling around up here. And his question is, how much of it is self-oriented, and how much of it is God-oriented. I mean, I don't know what sports, uh, you probably know which sport teams God likes. I I don't know. Um, But, I mean, of course we're going to have self-oriented stuff. But how much is God woven into the the life fabric of our lives? Um, How much of it is God-oriented? So how do we move forward with this? Well, this is a great topic. You could spend months thinking about this stuff. Or you could change starting today. I'm going to help you do that. So if you are in a place where you go, you know what, That's probably, he's probably talking to me. Uh, I have kind of an attachment to things. I, I, um, uh, there, there's, there's some things about me in my head that is pretty focused on just myself. And I'm not so much sure how much of me is God-oriented. Um, and if you're saying, I, I'd be interested, I'd be willing, I, I, I would like to take a step and see where God leads, then we can do one thing that is going to possibly change our lives. Because you take one step in a new direction, and God will meet you and meet you and meet you. Who knows where we're going to go? So um, if you are ready for that, then I'll invite you to do one thing. It's take out your notes, and in your bulletin uh, is a list of questions on your note page. Now, if you're not ready for that, it's okay. Just listen the next two minutes, and that's fine. But um, if you are thinking, hmm, I wonder. I wonder about myself. I wonder what I might be focused on that isn't particularly helpful. What, what is in my head? We can do this one thing. And here it is. Just answer these four questions. What can you give away this week? We are just going to get practical. What can you give away this week? Something in your garage, something in your bedroom, something in your house. So, uh, what, and, and the point is not that you need to get rid of stuff, though that's probably a good guess. But uh, the point is, when we think about giving it away, what does that do to us? I couldn't possibly give these googly eyes away. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> what, what, what is attached to our souls with these things? What could you give away this week? Just write something down. Number two, who are you going to give it to? What organization? Now, there's the Salvation Army. There's Goodwill. You can just go and donate stuff. 
that's a, that's a perfectly fine place. Maybe there's a family member. Maybe like Margie Blanchard, you have people you could give some photos away to. You could give, give that matching pair of lamps that, you know, they don't look that good in your living room. Give them to somebody. Um, or is that just me? So uh, wh- who or what organization could you give it to? Number three, what day of the week will you plan to give it away? Which day is convenient? What time, what, what day are you going to actually give this thing away? And number four, who will you report to next week about this? To say, this is what I gave away, this is where I gave it, and this is what it felt like. This is what it stimulated inside me. All right, so that's just a very practical kind of thing. Um, and uh, so... Hold on to that. Take that with you. And I just want to uh, end with a little bit of comfort. I want to reassure you that I actually do enjoy comments after services. So <laughs> I know you're like, I'm going out that door. I am never going to see him again. Um, uh, but uh, I had a woman come out, uh, and she said, hey, do you remember several years ago you preached on something, and you had this illustration. I did, rem- I did remember the activity that I suggested. Uh, I, I didn't remember the sermon, but I, I remembered that. And she said, my mom was visiting. She loved it. She started doing what you told, her, what you told us to do. And one of these days, I'll tell you, but she said, it, it changed her life. It's defined her. We now call her that person that does that thing, and, and she loves it, and it was your sermon. It wasn't my sermon. It was God's Spirit speaking to her. I had this one idea that I'd stolen from somebody, so I won't take credit for it, <laughs> but I said, that's wonderful, and the point was one thing. One thing in a new direction made a huge difference, in that person's life and through them into more person's lives, what's the quality of your soul? That's what we're talking about. Let's pray.